Welcome to Africa on Focus, where we share our success stories. Africa, the continent, the young diaspora, entrepreneurs, influencers, change makers, and so much more. I'm Miss Abba, and this is Africa on Focus, the podcast. What's truth and all of that? And here on the show, we've made it uh, our responsibility, let me just put it that way, to engage with the experts in the field from doctors. We've had Dr. Sabine, we've had all kinds of people to really talk about what's truth and what's not. Let me just get Donnie in and uh, introduce uh, in a bit our special guest who will be talking to us uh, on more about COVID. Hello, Donnie, how are you? Thank you. I am good, I am good, I'm good. Happy independence. (laughs) Thank you. Happy independence, I know that's the word for it. Um, happy independence. Did you do anything in particular? Um, no, no, but I did. You know what's funny about um, this independence or independence nowadays? Like, even you're receiving, um, let's say, greetings or congratulations from non Ghanaians. So, yeah. I have like, you know, people just hear me up, hey, happy independence uh, uh, yeah. to you, Donnie. And they're like, they're, <laughs> these are my Dutch buddies and stuff. So, that's that's right. always fun to have, uh, but yeah, that's cool. Right. I, haven't, I haven't done any, I didn't do anything uh, in particular. How about you? Uh, you know what, I, uh, me and a few friends, obviously under uh, a COVID-proof environment, we, you know, did a few dance moves to some hip life records and stuff to really enjoy the, the, the momentum. Uh, I think it was for us to really enjoy uh, what, you know, Ghana music and all of that means to us, how it unites us. As friends, because yeah. we're predominantly Ghanaians, uh, even the one who isn't Ghanaian knows, you know, the culture and celebrates that with us. So um, yeah. I, I think that was a, a way for us to celebrate the Independence Day. It still has to have some sort of um, it has meaning to me, but I am looking for like a way to celebrate it, you know, where I can like mm. uh, make that maybe a tradition in the family or something. I'm still exploring it and and understanding how. I can do it besides back in the day, go to a what a party or a hall party or something and just yeah. you know, for yourself. <laughs> oh yeah. Because I was thinking probably um even go to an African restaurant for Independence Day, but hey, okay, you're now stuck with COVID, so Man. even those things. Man, man, it's <laughs> what could be nice, what could be nice though is to have a let's say a Ludu Ludu night or Ludu evening with your small family if you have um that ludus game at home so that would that i think that's a nice um way to also celebrate independence to just do african or ghanaian games have a game night or something like that yeah yeah for for the diasporans i think that's not a a bad idea i think it's not absolutely um well let's get right into it uh because uh we have a special guest who is waiting for us and we have mm-hmm. a very, I think this guest will be someone who's working on the front line to really talk to us about uh, COVID-19. Um, we've touched on the topic of the myths, the facts, the truths surrounding COVID-19. Um, yes. But in this case, um, this is quite more specific, obviously, because the radio has also uh, started to support a particular campaign that is going uh, on to focus on you know, the mm-hmm. African community or the Ghanaian community specifically, um, it, it's, it basically is that also not long ago, 
the Ghanaian community in Amsterdam as one of the minority groups that participated in a uh, special study on the level of corona infection among uh, five population groups conducted by a team of scientists from the Amsterdam UMC uh, was confronted with outcome of the study in manners that without intending creates both panic and aggregation within the community. So we're here uh -huh. to like bring light to that. And after series of consultations among key stakeholders, including some eminent persons from the community, a decision was reached on the need for a special awareness media campaign on the challenges posed by the pandemic to the community. And today's interview is actually the second uh, of the series interview programs as part of media activities uh, planned for the campaign. Um, so uh, let me get our special guest in who is called Iris from uh, uh, GTD, which is the National Health, um, the Public Health Service here in the Netherlands. And uh, also, in the meantime, before we get this conversation going, we really would love to ensure that this remains uh, interactive as possible. And if you would like to call uh, or you have other questions that you would also like to comment on, aside from the Facebook comment box or YouTube, feel free to call um, uh, 0684736402, which is 0684736402, um, so that we can interact uh, with you. I will share the number on the screen and so that we get to talking. Uh, let's have uh, Iris to come on uh, the show. Let's do this. Hello, good afternoon, Iris. Hi, hi everyone. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, thank you for having me here. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, congratulations on this uh, celebratory day. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's very um, well. It's 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 quite of um, um, we're we're sort of lockdown celebrating. How has been the lockdown for you uh, as a you know a, a specialist, health specialist, let's just say? Um. Well, as a medical doctor, I have the chance that I get to go to uh, work, so I don't have to be at home all the time, uh, yeah. which puts me in a lucky position, I guess. And other than that, I've quite been enjoying the quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I definitely uh, would understand that. So before we go into some, you know, some interesting topics that relate to our health, you know, the community, some of the news, the facts, uh, surrounding COVID-19. Could you share with us uh, a bit of who uh, Iris is? Um, I'm a medical doctor uh, and at the moment I work uh, with the public health department uh, yeah. on Corona. Um, and uh, uh, in previous years I've uh, worked in many different places, both in hospitals in uh, the Netherlands, but also uh, in hospitals and refugee camps uh, all around the world. Yeah. All right. So that's a, a worldwide experience um, um, you would have, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, well, we, you know, we have sets of questions, obviously, um, uh, connecting to some of the things that have been going on, and specifically the Ghanaian community. The topic of COVID-19 has been, I think, very much present everywhere in the Netherlands. Uh, but from the advent of the pandemic, uh, many 
people have uh, bought into conspiracy theories of all kinds and to the extent that a good number of people still think that Corona is not real. So far, um, is there any scientifically uh, hard or reliable information to clear the mind of listeners concerning this? Um, so, um, coronaviruses uh, have been uh, with us for a long time, uh, and yeah. we've known them quite well in uh, uh, in terms of research. Um, but yeah. probably most people have heard of, for example, the SARS epidemic uh, before. Yeah. Uh, which was also a type of coronavirus. Um, and we know that coronaviruses are uh, coming from animals. So at some point they jumped from animals to men. Um, this is something that's uh, quite common uh, in infectious diseases. Um, as long as there have been animals and men, diseases have jumped from uh, animals to men. Like yeah. some diseases you might know are like the bird flu or uh, worse, for example, Ebola. Um, yeah. And in the case of coronavirus, the previous ones, uh, like SARS, we know they came from uh, bats. Mm -hmm. um, so we mm -hmm. think that this time uh, the same thing happened, but exactly when and where uh, it happened is something that is still being researched at the moment. We're still waiting for the results. Right. And so far, the idea is that it came from Wuhan. Um, yes, that's the uh, uh, most common theory there is at the moment. Um, yeah. And the idea is that uh, uh, in Wuhan, there are markets where a lot of uh, animals uh, are being sold. Uh, yeah. So it's a place where there's a lot of animals, a lot of people, which makes it an I ideal place for um, a disease to jump from animal to man. Right, right. That is quite intense. I. Um... Uh, because, you know, on, on, a, on a global scale, a lot of people have been blaming, you know, oh, it's the crazy, what is it, um, uh, delicacies or the type of food, you know, of the Chinese, because they eat dogs too, you know, all kinds of crazy comments um, that, you know, we hear. But it's also good to know just what you said, like, you know, it's been um, a classic case whereby, you know, something like a virus is transmitted from an animal to uh, a person. So that is quite, um, it, it kind of gives it an idea like, okay, even though it doesn't happen every day, but it does happen more. Let me just uh, put it that way. And um, yeah, in terms, yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to say that uh, it's very common also, for example, in the Netherlands, we can catch diseases from our cats or from our dogs. So it's something that okay. that is very common in everyday yeah. life. Yeah, it's just that this case have gotten a bit out of hand. <laughs> Let me just, uh, we, we can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so looking at, you know, the spread of the, the virus, um, if, if I even look back at last year, I think we were really in the first phase. People were very scared. You know, it wasn't really, um, we weren't sure of how the disease transmits. Um, now we have gotten into a point where we know more, or at least that's the impression I'm getting. In terms of uh, the spread of the virus, what are some of the scientifically proven ways of how uh, the virus spreads that we should be mindful of? Mm. 
Um, so we know that the coronavirus is a virus that likes to stay uh, in the airways, um, yeah. which is why it causes symptoms like uh, coughing, for example. Um, and it can spread um, uh, when you uh, breathe out uh, droplets that stay in the airways. Um, uh, so when you breathe or when you speak or when you cough, you can spread these droplets droplets that can have the coronavirus and it go, yeah. can go to others um, and there are two uh, uh, common ways in which it spreads one is through direct contact so for example if you cough into your hand and then you uh, shake someone else's hand and he uses his hand to uh, rub his eyes for example that's a yeah. way of transmitting um, and that's why we say uh, don't cough in your hand but in your elbow and don't shake hands anymore um, yeah. And the other way is just by, like I said, breathing out or coughing, the droplets can go into the air and then someone standing close by to you can breathe uh, in the air with those droplets and uh, can get infected as well. And that's why we say um, uh, to always keep those one and a half meter distance to make sure that those droplets don't go directly to someone else. Right, right. right. So I understand. And how, how about physical contact so if you just if you don't let's say you you hold in your breath but then you still have physical contact with your <laughs> with your neighbor how well, like a hug is that still transmits through like your hands and stuff or only when it goes into your body yeah, so if you hold your breath, then at least you won't be transmitting those uh, droplets. But the Looking problem back. is that before cuddling the other person, you will have, uh, uh, for example, touched your nose or your eyes and then yeah. touched your clothes. And then if you hug, mm -hmm. you can also transmit it to the other one's clothes and then they will touch their clothes. And um, yeah, so it's okay. not a bulletproof idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and it and it becomes um, only harmful when it enters into the body, so not when it's on the surface of it, right? Yes, that's true. So it has to enter the body in your airways uh, to become harmful. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. And um, you know, looking at that, because pretty much the social distancing is really real. Um, however, you know, the government have still figured that people do get it from like the environment of friends and families. So there's probably something going on there, uh, probably the hugs and kisses or anything of that that still, you know, um, uh, causes the virus to transmit. Um, could you tell us a bit about um, the, the, the symptoms or some of the cases where uh, to, at what point have people discovered that they they've had it? Did they discover it at the tests? What are some of the well-known symptoms that really come back, let's say, most of the time, according to you? Mm. Um, so that's a difficult question because um, uh, the coronavirus is a typical virus of the airways, which means that it looks uh, exactly like, uh, for example, the common cold or the flu. Um, yeah. So it's difficult for people to know the difference. Um, so just the common symptoms are, uh, for example, a blocked nose or a runny nose, uh, throat pain, coughing, feeling tired. Um, and in some people, yeah. they can get more sick, like when you have the flu. 
um, and then you can get fevers or for example a shortness of breath or pressure on your uh, breast yeah yeah okay and i've heard from because last week for instance we've had somebody on the show that have, has had covid and pretty much from uh, a lot of the cases that i hear is that they say okay this is this is more than just your usual flu. This is this is different. Um, would you say that is scientifically proven or is that just people's experience? Could you share a bit more about that? Um, I think uh, that what makes it different from um, uh, the common flu is that it's a lot more contagious. So a lot more people uh, get sick at the same time. Um, yeah. And um, uh, in some people, it can cause more severe symptoms, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which is why uh, more people, they have to go to the hospital because they need help uh, breathing, for example. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Get that. Um, one thing that we also want to know, because, you know, if we have to connect it to the uh, Ghanaian community here in the Netherlands, uh, one of the conversations that have been going on uh, are about ant antibodies or antibodies. And um, I got so many questions about it, <laughs> you know? I think uh, what a lot of people think is that antibodies are um, meant as a particular resistance against COVID-19. Um, people saying, oh, you know, people from this and this ethnic background had uh, more antibodies. Could you share with us what antibodies exactly mean and if we are to be afraid of it or not? Mm. Um, yeah. Antibodies um, are something that your body makes when uh, you get an infection, any kind of infection, but also with Corona. Um, uh, and they are like little soldiers your body makes to fight off uh, an infection. Um, and they also stay in your body. And the next time you get presented with the same infection, uh, they will be activated very quickly um, and start fighting very quickly, which usually means that the second time you get sick, you won't uh, uh, get uh, very sick like the first time. Right. Um, and uh, in the case of Corona, um, doctors, they use antibodies to see if someone uh, has previously had the infection. Um, but we know uh, that a lot of people who have gotten the infection uh, coronavirus once uh, can get it again. Um, so uh, while they protect you a little bit, um, uh, we know that they don't protect you from getting it again uh, for everyone. Okay. Right. So um, it's a good thing if you have antibodies uh, because it's possible that your body uh, will help you the next time uh, that you get it but it doesn't yeah. mean that you are immune to ever having it again yeah right right so if i understand it you're still endangering other people if you have how how do you even discover that somebody has the antibodies is it a blood test or how does that work uh, yeah, it's a test of the blood. So um, the test has to be done by a doctor and they draw some blood from your arm. Uh, and then in the laboratory, they uh, can magically find uh, those antibodies. Right. That is really interesting. That is really interesting. So uh, from what I'm hearing, if, if 
by such a test result, it comes out that you have these antibodies, you could still, um, um, let's just say, spread the virus to other people. If if I am uh, if I'm correct, well, that is that is good to hear um, to have that clarified, basically, because there were a lot of rumors, you know, relating to that. Some people would think they are Mr. or Mrs. Untouchable because of it, and um, learning that, you know, okay, the antibodies it must be proven by way of blood tests. Um, if I got it right, and correct me if if I'm wrong with that, but is it that particular ethnic groups are more likely to have antibodies? Is, is that possible? Or is there like some, uh, have you studied or have you observed that a particular ethnic group has, um, um, let me say, antibodies? Um, I don't think that specific um, uh, groups have a, a uh, like a higher chance of getting the antibodies or their bodies like uh, make them more quickly. Um, I think um, uh, like for example when the uh, research institutes are looking for antibodies um, uh, in people um, um, they they like just look at the different groups and they see oh uh, there are more antibodies here which means that uh, more people in those groups will have had uh, the coronavirus. Right. Right. Okay. So that is really interesting. Mean, uh, yeah. So it doesn't mean that the group itself, let's say, has something in their genes or something from their background that allowed them to have, let's say, more antibodies during the research. The, the basic conclusion is just they have had more corona cases probably right yes i think so yes okay right so, that is interesting there. that is interesting to know so it's there there is a connection to the cases and the antibodies let me just put it that way if i got it right yeah yes hmm. that's why for research purposes um it's something that um uh, researchers like to use so then, yeah. so then I have a question. Does that, um, because the impacts of coronavirus is less in, let's say, in Africa and yeah, mostly in Africa, it's so much less than here in the Western world or in the developed countries. Does that have to do with prior um, in pandemics or epidemics that had gone on there, whereby they have had to let's say create certain antibodies that are proven to be more effective during this pandemic um, than over here for instance in the netherlands is that also am i creating like a link that <laughs> makes sense uh, i think that's a very good question a very difficult question i am not sure why um the coronavirus has more impact here than in uh, uh other countries but if i uh, uh like make my own theories about it um i think it might have more to do uh, with um uh, the way people live like closely together with for example um here it's cold in winter time so we like to get together closely uh, in houses 
um, instead of living outside like in the summer. Um, mm. So I think it probably has to do more with um, with that than mm. uh, like the ability to make uh, antibodies. Right. Mm. But it would be, but then coronavirus would be more because people out there, let's say it's in African Ghana, it's sunny, people are out, people work outside more than they work indoors. Um, but the infections has been so much less and right so then the the question will remain why is it and i know of course this is one of the big mysteries or the questions in the research area for um um in, in during this pandemic as in why is the impact so much less um uh, in ghana than it is in the netherlands for instance is it yeah I don't know. Have you stumbled upon any information that could provide a clarification for this, or is it still we just don't know? We have no idea. But yeah, no, I I have to say I haven't had read I haven't read any articles or anything um, uh, about this matter, so I cannot give a, a definitive answer. Right. <laughs> right. You're right. Well, for those of you who uh, just tuned in, welcome to uh, Africa in Focus on High Radio, the voice of the next generation. Uh, we have all kinds of uh, lines of people that are listening and tuning in uh, right now. We have people tuning in from our usual website, www.highradionl.com. Uh, of course, our partnering apps, the um, TuneIn and uh, other partnering, partnering apps. Um, if you are tuning in just now on Facebook or on YouTube, uh, welcome. We are talking to a health expert to really uh, get to the bottom of, you know, the, the true facts surrounding COVID-19 and how our community should be, you know, observing them and whether or, uh, or not, you know, to, uh, to ensure that all of the rules are, are lived out in your household or around uh, as much as possible. And that's really what we are talking about. We're just having our uh, uh, last couple of five minutes as we talk to uh, uh, Dr. Irena uh, about you know all of these uh, topics surrounding. In the meantime, I just want to give a shout out to Mensa Gary who was listening through Facebook. Uh, feel free to share it uh, online, of course, so that you know our community uh, hears about this the most. Also, shout out to Don Alvis and John Royals who said our traditional medicine are keeping Africans uh, alive. All right, uh, well, we will have to ask you some <laughs> more about that really soon. And uh, I think that also reflects a lot of um, the hope and the uh, faith that, you know, Ghanaians have. Um, that's also one of the reasons why we are, you know, talking a bit of more of the scientific side so that we could, you know, be aware of that and so much more. Uh, Dr. Irene, what I would really like to know is, you know, starting from this period, it was like, oh, kids, children can't have, can't contract the virus, um, you know, so still, even in a lot of the measures that are taken, you know, some of the uh, primary schools are open and, and all of that. Is it still so that children can't contract COVID-19? What are the facts uh, surrounding that? Mm. Um, so. Uh, in the beginning, we saw that uh, children didn't become very sick uh, from corona. They uh, only get very mild symptoms. 
Um, and that's why we thought uh, if they don't get very sick, probably don't they don't spread it as much um, either. Um, yeah. But then when the schools opened in September, uh, we saw that actually uh, in schools where uh, uh, parents would test their children when they had symptoms, that they uh, actually did get corona and they actually spread it a lot either. So uh, there were many schools in Amsterdam uh, that had a lot of uh, cases with corona. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so now we know that children actually do uh, contract the virus and can spread it as well, although less than adults. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So is it that, so just to interpret this in more easily, can we give a child a hug at this moment or rather we should rather keep that <laughs> to ourselves? Um, I think uh children need hugs so don't refrain from hugging children uh too much but maybe yeah. um, <laughs> but maybe stay uh try to stay closer to the children that are in your own surroundings um uh and try to keep a bit of distance to children that are uh yeah a bit further from you right because it could be possible that they uh, can cause you to uh, contract the virus right okay. so they're still transmitting it that is really interesting that is really yeah. interesting yeah. and generally now the yeah. government says that uh children older than uh 12 they should uh keep distance from adults uh, but children under 12 um uh they're a bit more relaxed with the rules because um yeah a child needs uh, attention and that's important as well and well, yeah. okay. And how about the face mask for 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 children? Um, what do you mean exactly? Uh, um, so I know kids don't have to wear a face mask mask when outside. Um, how about teens? So from twelve, because I think now it's under sixteen. You don't have to wear a face mask, or I think it's from. 13 years old and older you have to oh, uh, wear a face mask yeah. Okay. yeah and i think um uh it's a bit the same like for teenagers we think they're like uh, uh they can be as contagious as uh, adults so uh, mm -hmm. we ask them to wear a face mask as well but for the smaller children um uh, i think for one it's more difficult for them to wear a face mask uh, but also we think they are a bit less contagious than adults. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. Before we round up, uh, Dr. Iris, uh, we would really like to know, um, what is the difference between, uh, uh, quarantine and isolation? I think a lot of people also have that a bit, you know, confused, um, and also ending off, um, what 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 are some of the rules that people should really strictly follow you know because there's so many things to uh look at but like from a doctor's perspective what are the things the top three let's just say that you would recommend uh so first about the isolation and the quarantine um it's a bit of a technical uh difference um isolation is a term we use um for uh when someone has actually contracted the uh, virus 
Um, and in the case of Corona, uh, isolation uh, takes seven days um, and then until you don't have any symptoms anymore. And then when you stop having symptoms, we believe you're not contagious anymore and you can leave isolation. Um, yeah. And quarantine is a term we use for people who have been in contact with someone who has uh, the coronavirus. Uh, and therefore have a higher chance to uh, contract it, uh, but don't mm -hmm. have it yet. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So it's a bit technical. <laughs> and then once, uh, if they actually get the uh, virus, um, uh, then they have to go in isolation. Okay. So, so if I understand it, the quarantine is the it's a provincial um, measure. Yeah. And yeah, when you caught exactly. it, then when you catch it, you have to go in isolation. Perfect. Yep, exactly. And we are in our advice, we are a bit more strict. If you have to be in isolation, we say you really have to stay in your room and don't see anyone. Um, but if you are in a quarantine, um, for example, with your family, uh, then uh, you have to keep your distance as much as possible, but you can still go to the kitchen, for example, um, uh, or share a meal while having distance, for example. Right. Right. Hmm. And then and uh, the, top three. the top three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I think the the most important thing is to uh, always keep the, those one and a half meter uh, distance. Um, uh, yeah, because I think that's the most effective way uh, to stop the spreading of the virus. Um, and then uh, the second thing I think is to stay at home if you have symptoms um, that could be Corona because then the chance that you have it and that you can spread it to others is quite high. Um, and then to get tested because that's the only way to know for sure um, if you actually have the coronavirus or not. Um, yeah. And that's the best way to protect other people uh, by knowing. Yeah. yeah. I hear, I hear that if you, you know, you really start to not be able to smell things and taste things, then you better, <laughs> you better do a test really quick. Yeah, that's a good one as well. Yeah. When you yeah. don't taste or smell anything, that can be a sign of Corona as well. Yeah. 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 Good one. Uh, Dr. Iris, uh, before we round up, where can people uh, contact you or maybe the GGD? and uh where can they find you and um any if, if if they have any questions that's a very good question i will have to uh, look up what the phone number is for uh, uh the gvd yeah, uh, just the general so uh, basically we can say you know the general uh gvd telephone number obviously because uh, the that gvd is in every region i would i would believe yeah i think and um um you know normally people would know it as just the vaccination place basically um but uh is also really the place where you can uh, contact for testing as well and any information regarding uh, covid 19 if i get that correct yeah there's a, a special phone number um for uh questions so yeah. if you have any question or want any advice uh on anything there's a special yeah. number you can call and by heart i think it's zero two zero yeah five 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 
202. Okay. So zero two zero five 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 two zero two. Yes, that's exactly All it. Right. Yeah. Awesome. And then we'll take, yeah. um, if you want to go uh, to make an appointment for a test, um, it's a different number. Right. Um, we'll have to look it up as well. No problem. And that one is free, right? It's a free testing. Um, yeah, it's important to know that um, it's free and anyone um, uh, can make an appointment for a test. So it doesn't matter if you have like a Dutch um, uh, BSN number uh, mm -hmm. or not. Um, right. Like anyone can call and make an appointment. Right. And you don't need things like a passport or papers or anything. Okay. All right. So anybody, just anybody could locate it. No worries. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank and the you, right uh, very... phone number? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the number the for the testing? Yes. Yeah, it's a 0800. Yeah. 1202. 0800 1202. Yep. All right. Perfect. Well noted. Well noted. I'll spread that on the comment box. And thank you uh, so much, uh, Dr. Ease, for your time. Thank you for uh, spending it with us to answer our questions relating COVID-19 to highlight, you know, some of these important uh, areas that we should really be uh, aware of. Uh, so thank you again. And uh, um, also, you know, apologies if we've taken a bit more of your time, uh, some minutes, uh, some important questions I really had to, I got messages for to ask you. So thank you very much for your patience. Yes. Thank you very much for having me uh, oh. and have a very nice Thank evening. You. All right. Thank you. And you too. Same to you. All right. <laughs> bye, -bye. Yeah. bye. Bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Dr. Iris from uh, Hey Hey Day. Uh, interesting talk. We need a part to, two. Uh, sorry? We need a part two. We need a part two. Yeah. Yeah. To really uh, yeah, talk about the science of the it. The vaccines. Yeah. Yeah. And the vaccine, of course, yeah. And the vaccine, oh yeah, man. Uh, the vaccine is just something, you know what I feel is that, you know, our people, and I say our people, um, <laughs> we're not ready yeah, not for it. That's, that's <laughs> the thing, that's really what I'm having. But uh, we will have, you know, Dr. Charles Ajemai on uh, ending of this month. Uh, I think he can go a bit more in depth uh, in that. And uh, also, uh, we're working on getting Dr. Sabine uh, back on. She's like our doctor, you know, she's on innovation and all of that. And I think it would also be good to find out what she is thinking uh, about yes. that. Interesting, speaking of uh, vaccine, um, in Ghana, they're just going for it. Just the president, he has taken his, you know, nobody can tell him, oh, you know, well, why don't you take it? He'll be like, yeah, I took it. You know what I mean? And um, his wife took it. Um, some of these influencers have taken it as well. Yeah. Claudia Lamore, I've seen um, Jessica, you know, the presenter, Jessica uh, Opare Safo, oh, I think I see that well. There was an interesting video of hers that I still need to watch. She shared that, which was uh, her, uh, the signs that she had on uh, oh. after getting the vaccine 
So uh, I will share that okay. with you. We should, we should definitely, uh, <laughs> we should definitely have a look at that and look at whatever mm -hmm. these signs are. Uh, and I think mm -hmm. that for a lot of people, they do experience some, um, you know, some um, just some symptoms. You know. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. And some say that is really what uh, what what it is. Um, shout out to some of you listening. Mensa Gary who say, and they have extended evening clock again till 30th of this month. Headache in Kwa. <laughs> Really? Oh man, um, they haven't officially extended, but uh, the rumor oh. has it, and most of the time the rumor is true. <laughs> mm -hmm. Boy. Um, I don't know, man. I I really don't know. What do you think of this lockdown? Does it does it bother you that much? Um, you know, we just have to get through it. Um, it it doesn't really bother um bother me that much to be honest, and. I think it was even the question I wanted to ask, like, that does she feel that the Dutch government has been, yeah, more, let's say, reactive, so that's, that has caused her to suffer more on this, um, you know, during this pandemic, or are they actually on time? Because yeah. compared to other European countries, this, this um, evening, this curfew should have, you know, being reinstated, like let's say from from October already, but you know they they waited, they waited, yeah. um, because you know like Belgium they are experiencing some freedom now, but they went into curfew October over so six months. That is yeah. you know that yeah so so that is something uh, yeah. on the on the list to see okay which which strategy would have been better. Yeah. But yeah, we definitely have to go through this curfew. It hasn't been long enough. Till March, till end of March, okay, maybe they will probably even extend it even um, more because the numbers are looking good. Though. Like I said last week, right. the numbers are looking good. The cases are going down. Um, the death um, numbers are also going down. And that is partly due to this curfew that we have, it, right? So... Yeah, it's it's going all right. It's going good. So, yeah. Right, right. But do, but do you think that you know they would be like, oh yeah, the numbers are dropping. Let's just change. Do you think that you? I I have to agree with you. I think that would be prolonged. But I'm just more concerned of how the average Dutch mental is going to accept that truth. <laughs> but but Miss Alba, they already did. Um, they didn't. Think... They went crazy. Oh my gosh. Remember when lockdown was introduced? People went nuts. <laughs> they did go crazy, and and when and when curfew got introduced, that's when they start rioting and stuff. But yeah. here's the thing: the you because the first part of your question was, do you think when the numbers will drop, they will um, ease the um, they will maybe uplift the curfew? But they tried doing this this method of. If the numbers go down, that's when we're going to make you lose. And then they eventually had to pay for it. Like, it, it, I think last summer, right? Was it last summer where things yeah. were, things were oh. slight, were going a bit, yeah, right. And, but this was, the numbers were looking good. People were ready to party. And then that they were like, 
<laughs> you think so? It was the parties oh, that I messed it up. Sides. Do you remember that? <laughs> the first one of these first days when the heat yeah. came up. Wow. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I do remember. I do remember. But the government allowed it, right? Um. So, and that's what. Right after the summer, look at the 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 terrible numbers, um, that we we ran into, uh, due to that little um, space they gave for traveling and all that, like oh, tourists yeah. were coming to Amsterdam from yeah. Spain, where it was very severe there. You know, you were allowed to travel without doing a, a test, remember? So yeah. that happened because the numbers were kind of like dropping. So they thought it was going down, going down, and then nah, it just yeah. came back up. So I think this time they would just hold it as long as they can, and they'll hold it like with a vaccine. So the vaccine numbers go up that's when they probably will loosen the things up but they won't go okay the numbers are dropping uh, yeah. so okay we can end the curfew and then have not nah, i don't think they're gonna right. do it right no. oh man fingers crossed fingers crossed i i i i have to say you know i i didn't mind the being indoors and stuff i really didn't mind i feel i feel like <laughs> it brought me to a whole different rest you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just pretty much how I see it. But um, uh, yeah, I just I just feel bad for the restaurant owners. You know. It's, yeah, that is know, that. Those, the yeah. small businesses, the barber shops, uh, yeah. the physiotherapies, the uh, yeah. you know the mass uh, the the massage salons, the pedicure manicure, you know, all of that. Those small small businesses that you literally do to um to save your money to um to support your family even to support yeah. your dreams yeah all that just shut down for you know and there's nothing else you could do finding a yeah. larger job is, is is hard enough um yeah. in regular times but then during this pandemic so yeah it has been very 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 um stressful and our regards yeah. and support goes out to those who have lost their jobs and to those who have lost their, yeah. their families too, yeah. Family members, yeah, absolutely. So for those of you who are listening, uh, how is it at your end? Uh, shout out to John Royals who said, uh, at first uh, they told us kids can't get Corona and now they can get Corona. Wow, what a headache. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> that's really interesting. That's really the part that I'm like, okay, so what is it? You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, because for 12 year olds or people till 12, kids till 12 year olds, they can pretty much be cool and do what they want. But for the rest yeah. of it, I'm like, where is then, where do you draw the line? You know? So that is, um, yeah. yeah, I must say it can be quite confusing as to what to do uh, in that aspect. Uh, we would really like to know how uh, COVID and its measures and stuff is at your end, wherever you are listening from. Raise your flag, <laughs> raise your flag, share your location uh, with us if you are tuning in from uh, Facebook and you just spotted us on your timeline. Uh, make sure mm -hmm. that you follow High Radio on uh, Facebook page or you follow the page at least so that you stay updated on when we come on the show. Uh, let us know, you know, how it is for you. Uh, if you are listening to us on YouTube, uh, that's probably because you saw the Africa on Focus YouTube channel. Don't forget to press the subscribe button and uh, interact with us as we talk some more. Uh, in a bit, we will be having our usual Let's Chat Africa panel, which is, you know, discussion heavy, 
to talk some more about what's going on in our world. Happy Independence, <laughs> I'm saying again, and I've been, I've dressed all festive for the season. I'm only playing, you know, Ghana charts uh, as we are uh, here. So um, as we come back, you know, let's play uh, some, some good old Castro uh, Destroyer so that when we come back, wow. we can uh, talk some more oh, yeah, about- Listen, I could I could listen to that song all day. That's a classic. Okay, it's not as classic as a true Ophorian Fonsa, but that was, um, you know, Castro Destroyer with um, oh, what's his name? Baby Jet. That's the name. <laughs> and uh, Kofi Kanata. I love that song. Uh, man, Castro Destroyer. You know, um, you know the late Castro Destroyer. Rest in peace. Oh um, yes. Oh man, when he passed away, that hurt my heart. Like I couldn't talk about it for maybe two months because uh, I love him as an artist so much, his energy, you know, and I, and I do feel that he was a part of that. It was a period, it was that period where Ghana music really started to hit, you know, outside, you know what I mean? And I feel like he was, yes. he was part of that because I think they even played this record at Funix and, you know, uh, Yo. uh Castro didn't get his flowers. Like he, basically, yes, Reggie Rockstone, yes, um, this this other guy. They that like they made Ghana music go abroad, but yeah. it was Castro who made Ghana music like he was hitting numbers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Castro was was hitting. He was like the Drake. Yeah, the yeah, Drake yeah. of, of Ghana. Ghana music. <laughs> no, like people don't understand. Of course, South Korea is, is now, but no, when Castro was on, like he literally yeah. gave birth to this South Korean Shatawale. This was Castro was the man. And the funny part is he didn't even go down. Like he was still up and rising. He was still on top yeah. when he left us. So yeah. that is imagine if he was still. Alive. Still here, right? Oh my goodness! Oh, man. This man, and man. and when you be playing songs like this, you know you what my mafia. You, know? you make me miss <laughs> him now. Ah, yes, these songs. Oh dear I know. lord! Yeah, man. Oh. Yeah, that that's true. Yeah. That's true. He really yeah, brought a, a fresh thing to hip life. You know, he and he could do it all. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and he, and he's like it's generations. He started in the two thousands. Oh I, man! You know, yeah. This, this is, With that and he was still <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god no yeah. oh my goodness like Man. yeah we we reserve an a, a time for to talk about like Ghana music because oh, oh yeah we should back and stuff my anyway yeah anyway. yeah Th those are ones that they I think their success was just before. You know, we're now in this digital streaming and stuff like that. So we don't, we just play the records by heart. You know, you hear it at the birthday every time, the birthdays, the weddings and stuff, but they don't yeah. get their flowers enough. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. We, we should definitely reserve a show for that. And I do, um, I do have a contact of some, some of even Sarkodias production team, somebody that has been in the industry for long. So it would be nice to, you know, uh, see how that one um, to also hear from somebody that's really there how the sound evolved and yeah. what it has done to us yeah. you know as global Africans and how we 
drag the sound with us that would be really interesting yeah good man good yeah. talk <laughs> so, mm -hmm. welcome to uh, africa and focus uh, for all of you who are listening uh welcome 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 uh man we would definitely have to take the news flash that we have to uh, next week so that we can still talk about matters rising on uh, on the continent and in our world there is lots to talk about <laughs> um <laughs> You know, our bi-monthly special is the Less Chat Africa, which I should be bringing along, which we should be bringing along a lot more. And, um, yes. you know, where we really talk about matters rising in our community and and things that we should really look out for. And Less Chat Africa is joined by uh, two other panelists uh, that, you know, have, that are backstage already to come and have a talk uh, uh, to us. I haven't seen them in quite some time. So I'm really also interesting, <laughs> interested in how they have been keeping up during this lockdown and all of that, because uh, our world is, has been changing uh, that uh, and so much. Uh, African Focus is uh, made possible by High Radio, the, the voice of the next generation. And High Radio is an Amsterdam-based radio station that connects uh, Africans from all over the world and uh, the diaspora. It's Amsterdam's most dynamic satellite and digital radio station that promotes African culture to Africans in the diasporas. Subjects and topics ranging from sports, entertainment, music, culture, arts, and business, all of that is provided on these platforms. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can find us on a normal website, www.highradionl.com, and feel free to tune in. And you can also find us on TuneIn. And today we are talking about, um, with Let's Chat Africa, we are uh, firstly talking about some of the topics that we've discussed in our newsflash and that uh, really dealt with, you know, uh, Ghana security forcing, uh, shutting down LGBTQ uh, office rights group. And we are really getting into, you know, our perspective uh, here in the West, having grown up here, being an environment that is more, let's just say liberal, than you know, our many African uh, countries are. And really to give a perspective on what do we think is going to work for um, you know, the life that we live uh, back home, basically. And uh, let me just welcome Liz and uh, Nene back on before we start talking more and more and more. And uh, let's get this on. Hello, Liz. Hi. Hi, Ms. Hello, Hi, Danny. How are you guys doing? Hi. Hello. Good, good. I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm relaxed. It's a, it's a, it's a good Sunday. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm relaxed too. I took a walk this morning, even though it was very cold, but it oh, helps. Nice. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> but, how the sun was out or in some way was a scheme. This, uh, yesterday was chilly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very weird because we, a week ago it was so sunny and now it just changed. It just switched. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is also like the reason for a lot of people to have some sort of flu, but due to COVID, people are just refusing the flu at all. So people just don't have anything. <laughs> That's really the, the situation as it is now. How are you, Nene? Yeah. yeah, it's been chill. It's been um it's been a calm Sunday for me. Yes. Um right. nothing um different. Just yeah, the usual Sunday chill, replanning how the week is supposed to go and all. yeah, 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 good. 
Well, it's been quite a while since uh, we, we've, we've come on and, and talk like this. Uh, I'm really like interested to know, like, how has your life been this last couple of six months, like lockdown? How is it going with your families? You know, what are like your general uh, observations in terms of this, this new normal that we are in? How, how is that going for you, bro? Uh, for oh, me, it's been okay. Uh, for me, it's been quite interesting. Um, I actually graduated university, um, oh, so I'm congrats. like a 2020. Thank you, a 2020 graduate. Uh, with all that comes with that, um, yeah. so that has been a. It's been also a personal transition time for me this last few months. Um, I think I've been dealing with the, with the. Um, policies and the lockdowns and things like that pretty well um in yeah. january i was able to go to curacao for a while too so i was able wow. to be with family and connect with them i finally awesome. met my little niece after um one and a half years so that was really nice um now that i'm back i think because i got that space because in curacao the cases are very low so they're they're opening up pretty much um because I got that, like the ability to connect with family and be there and was more freeing. I think now it's like more like it's fine. Like I can, the lockdowns and things like that is just part of, part of it. Right, right. So why do you think that is, that the cases there are lower? Because it's the same, you know, for us in Ghana. I mean, mm -hmm. to hear that it's the same case in Curacao, that. It's good, but you know, it makes yeah. me just question, do you have any idea why that could be? Yeah, I, I I think they were saying, some researchers were saying that the sun has an effect on it. Um, right. I think people are less, like there's a less systems here because here, I think if you're a teacher, for example, if, if you have a cold or something, they directly send you to get it tested. So the system is set that testing is much easier. I think over there, it's less systematic. So even if people are um, cold or sick, they don't directly get tested. Um, so that can also have an effect on it. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Because people, it's pretty much open. Like people are hanging out. There are certain things that are still in lockdown, like certain events, because it was like carnival season, beginning February, but there was no carnival or jumping or things like that. Um, but still, um, I think there was a week or a day, at least there was zero new cases. So it's very different than here. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure because they don't want to have people partying, bumping and grinding, yeah. <laughs> riding COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody needs that. <laughs> Nobody needs that. All good. Um, good for you, man. Going out, just going to, to to the warm country, the motherland is, it's it's a refreshing. I could speak, speak for that about myself as well. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Nene? How has it um, been for you these last couple of six months in terms of life, lockdown? Well, um, for me, yeah, for me, um, aside wearing no mask and um, adhering to protocols and all that, um, it has it has really been quite normal for me because I um, I was still going to work. Um, yeah, most of my um, of my days I spend at work, and yeah. um, as like that, checking up on families, and and that's it. Nothing, nothing new. 
nothing um, scary also yeah right right yeah. and has work was it is, is remote work also uh, a topic for you or do you still go to your location your usual location to work yes i i still do i still go to my usual location to work um uh, from the beginning it was partly um home i do most of the um, administrative stuff um maybe yeah. two days for administrative work and uh, and um three three to go on site but yeah but almost every now and then i'm I'm not really used to um i'm not the sitting down type so right it was very difficult for me to really stay home being behind a um, laptop yeah i always want to get busy with something get my hand busy with something and yeah so i end up um spending like four days at work and then um one day at home now i'm back to um how um, to how it used to be so five days straight at work yeah wow wow that's interesting and how has it been uh for you in terms of because um yeah a lot of people talk about their mental health i i know even in general like here in the netherlands there are a lot of um let me just say awareness or activities even organized for young people uh you know regarding their mental health and how they should get through this pandemic and stuff like that yeah. how have you been like coping did you come up with any type of new activities to get your mind straight or how has that been for you nene yeah um for um for personal growth i i planned something for myself in terms of taking some new um courses for myself because um in as much as in as much as um the times you know have been quite intense it's brought with it lots of negativities but in between in between there there is um some sort of um optimism because um during those times right. I, I i took the time to personally um develop myself in terms of taking a new new course online and then um, i read a couple of books also and then also for for work i tried to develop myself and then my skill and um yeah. with family um, i also took advantage of the season to connect more with family because unlike um it used to be always busy busy but now um and it's not because you, um just i snap off your finger you could hear of someone um who was there and not there anymore so yeah. it's it was it was um though it was quite intense but um i just stayed positive through it all and um i took advantage of the time to also to also think of um business opportunities that this this is something that um yeah during this um during this time people have been talking about the fact that it happened a century ago and all that and of course if um yeah a century ago i'm wondering how many people are still living now that yeah, yeah. how many people are still living yeah. um, when it happened a century ago so for me i just i just find out okay what if it should what how what's what plans am i going to put in place personally for my generation yeah if they should encounter something of this sort or even more yeah i'd had to do businesses that 
that's okay i'm like my generation or maybe if i'm to advise on, um, on what business or in what venture the person is to go into then um yeah i can really give that person a proper advice sometimes to actually yeah write some business plans for myself of which i have started working on one right right good <laughs> that sounds good um that's that's an adjustment i feel that you know a lot of people find difficult to make because um like if we even to talk about career you know all all that people know is their job you know or yes. their their type of lane that they're working in and to do a readjustment where it's like enforced on them or you know i i i think that the usual person goes into panic mode you know if they're if you're not careful or at least that's what i think so i do um mm -hmm. yeah that that is i i would say that that you're you're one of the few that like consciously takes that other steps so is like you know what let me work on a business plan for myself or you know a yeah. career change or anything of that yeah yeah and i'm actually curious to see if um, what Liz is going to do now that she's uh, she's graduated is she? That's also like the beginning of a of a career, or is it is that another study you want to do, Liz? Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question that I ask myself every day. <laughs> but yeah, I think right now, um, I start when I finished. I started applying for jobs, but. Um, I quickly realized that that was not um, going to happen anytime soon. So it also um, had me reconsider what I actually really wanted to do. And um, because I did, I do, um, one of the values that I really um, uphold is the value of like understanding and knowledge. I think that there's a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding going through the world, especially amongst like black people. And like, with my um, academic background and my abilities, I really have the skills to create platforms that allow people to understand and see things that they wouldn't have access to. So um, that is one of the goals that I want to um, get to, which is very open, very vague, and can be done in multiple place ways. So I'm trying to create like business ideas, create collaborations. I've been working on art projects, all um, in the purpose of um, creating understanding, creating, um, telling stories that don't often get told, but um, explaining maybe scientific um, issues or historic issues that are only um, talked about in academic language that a lot of people don't understand. Having platforms that are be, can be able to do that, um, having um, businesses that can be collaborative and that can provide like knowledge, new stories, new um, visions and things like that. So that that is my answer for now. I don't have anything concrete to say, but um, I'm working on um, a few things and a few ideas that hopefully are gonna um, be fruitful soon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear a lot of business, like both of you actually, you know, business plan, business, could it be that that's the direction that we're going for, you know, opposing to just be dependent on corporate while we say, you know what, let me just start something ourselves. Is that, do you see any, any perspective in that? How is your observation in that, Nene? 
Well, um, I think I think to, to start something, it's 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 um, it's a good idea to have. It's a good idea to have, but before you you, you venture into it, you have much knowledge about it. You don't just uh, just wake up one day and yeah. have the idea because um, during this time, during um, the COVID times, there was um, I was working on some few plans, um, some few right business plans but the first thing i asked myself was that um, i first tried to define a problem statement for each of the plan because then when i'm able to understand the problem statements then it's quite easy for me to know which direction i'm supposed to head and um how to um that's why so i would say have much knowledge about it research more into um what you want to go in, into and waste because you can never be prepared enough. So just start anyways. You will make mistakes, yes, but just start anyways. Yeah. All yeah. of them are part of the process. Right. Because Liz, what, what was yeah. your area of graduating? Because I know this is your this is your master's, if I'm to recall it correct. Yeah. Was my master's. Um, I got uh, a master's in uh, media, culture, and society. Um, so it's right. um, trying to understand how media and um, forms of media, so the news, but also like pictures, um, text, all of these things affect how we, the way that culture and society is um, is connected. So a lot of times we assume a lot of things people assume that they come with ideas and they come with um, perceptions but the media actually structures the way we understand society the society that's why it's so important like when kids they they start with teaching them like to read kids um cartoons all these things have an effect on how we understand the world and how we see each other um so yeah that that was basically my um my masters trying to understand how media affects us as a as culture and as people that is really interesting that is really interesting because uh, hearing you say this i actually thought it was the other way around whereby media media kind of follows the thinking of the people but if i'm hearing you correctly it's the other way around media rather influences our yeah. perspective at least yeah, at least that's the theory I subscribe to. Um, there's a theory right. that talks about um, discourse. There's like these um, um, academics, they talk about the real world. And there's the real world world out there. And uh, But we, we cannot understand the real world without media. Even the words we use. If we see a tree, right. we use the word tree to understand it. If we see a chair, that, that word, that medium allows us access to the real world. So there's true media, true words, true language, through all these things that we understand what is happening. And because it's so, um, so everything we see affects us, but we don't really have control over a lot of it. The news, for example, select certain things that are important and remove other things that's less important. The news... Um, TV shows, Facebook systematically chooses to send us what we're interested in, not what is important, but what will get them more likes and more clicks. 
So the way that we interact with the world is heavily dependent on the access, the media that translate the real world to us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is so interesting. This is material for Donnie loves this. Yeah, in a way, in a way. We need to sit down and chat because I can talk about this for hours. Because <laughs> I hear a bit of that, you know, it also deals with the psychology, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, well, speaking a bit about perspe- of perspectives and all of that, one of the topics that uh, we thought it was uh, good to, to, to highlight was um of, of course this particular thing has been in the news uh recently but uh it also you know um invites us to really talk about um our perspective you know how cultural uh, culture tradition and all of that influences our perspective so that's it it's it's a bit connected to what Liz was talking about but then Liz has the media side you know which also uh deals with it in some way and this uh, particular topic had to deal with, um, it was a news flash, a news item that we talked about uh, last week. And it really has to do with uh, the LGBTQ uh, coming into the news or appearing in the news uh, a lot, uh, especially as it relates to, to, to Ghana. I don't think it's different for countries like Uganda or even in the, uh, in the Caribbean countries, whereby, you know, um, well, either it is uh, a crime, you know, to engage in, um, in, in activities such as that, um, in, in homosexual activities or any of that, either a crime or either it's, it's um, you can be charged for it or you can be arrested for it or, you know, any of that. In, in African countries, it, it ranges. And it came back in the news uh, so many times. And um, basically it came out and it listed in the media, Ghana as being uh, anti-gay. Uh, and so the question then ar- arose a lot, you know, are Ghanaians anti-gay? Is it the culture? Is it the tradition? Or is it, you know, um, religion? You know, what what is happening uh, with that? And um, it even was taken on to uh, the celebrity line because, you know, Ghana's booming. A lot of celebrities come in and they signed a mm-hmm. petition you know, in support of um, the LGBTQ community in Ghana, saying that, you know, uh, uh, if the Guinean government doesn't do anything about it, they will, you know, take measures, if I'm to uh, explain that uh, correct. So I would really love to talk about not just the fact that, you know, should it be allowed or should not, I guess every everyone's standpoint on that is diverse, but to really look at um, how is the, what, what, what are our perspectives? Um, especially from us, you and I, we live here in the Netherlands where it's just any, anything crazy is allowed versus where we're from, you know, where um, things are not as liberal as, as we might seem or we might think. So I would especially like to know from you, Liz, you've, you've worked in Ghana before, you know that environment. Um, how is it regulations uh, regarding LGBTQ in the Caribbean? And um, mm-hmm. how did you experience that in Ghana? If, if you have any experience regarding that. Um, I think um, compared to Curacao, 
my experience in Ghana was a little bit more closed off in the sense that in Curacao, um, even though um, it's not illegal, but there are no um, marriage rights. So if you're part of the LGBTQ community, you cannot get married. And there is a lot of taboo surrounding it and a lot of like um, people that don't agree with it. Um, but still there are people that are openly gay um right. that there are like um communities there are like spaces for openly gay um people um right. even though there are certain times protests about it and things like that religious um um churches protested and things like that yeah. um but it is this this duality of people just being and um existing but how right. to deal with like those pop pop-ups of, of of being against it and the systematic um, oppression of it. I think yeah. when once I was in Ghana, it, it was as if it it wasn't it didn't exist. Yeah. Um, it wasn't something that uh, I ever like discussed or um, saw or considered in that in the society. Yeah. It was as if it was um, foreign to Ghana. Um, so yeah, I didn't yeah. I didn't experience anything similar um but in Curso I lived for 23 years so maybe that's also a factor that I know about the communities I know about the organizations I know about about that maybe if I was living in Ghana I there was the, yeah. those like via via ways to know but I didn't experience anything that had to do with with acknowledging that as a reality even yeah yeah one one thing I really would like to know is do you do you know of any explanation why, because, you know, uh, Dutch Antilles or Curacao is very much connected with the Netherlands, why, like, all of these years, mm -hmm. the Netherlands is so liberal, but still um, Curacao is, is, is not that same, you know, that same environment as we, as we see it here. Do you, do you know of any? Does yeah. it, do you see a, a cultural connection or... Um, legally, for example, in because Bonaire and Stacia and Seba, I think, are part of the Netherlands itself now. So everything is legal, just like the Netherlands. But that was recently in 2010 when they once they become became part of the Netherlands. But Curacao, Aruba, and Saint Martin have their own like autonomy to decide. And I think the reason why they don't want to be more open with um, LGBTQIA rights is. Um, basically the same reasons that I've been seeing in um, most African countries that it goes against tradition. It's like a Western tradition, it's a Western culture, and right. um, it goes against our religious belief and religious practices. Um, that's the main reason. That's why most of the time, um, once um, those discussions or topics are brought up, um, the counter arg argument is mostly it goes against God's laws and God's rules and it goes against the Bible. So it's um, yeah. most of the time um, being contradicted because of religious slash traditional beliefs. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's that's the same, <laughs> same as uh, as as in Ghana. Um, actually, the the the, the comments. Yeah. Uh, regarding it has been diverse these days. Um, I feel that um, because leading to the previous event whereby um, LGBTQ community was actually shut down, 
um, by police. Police say uh, they did it because of security reasons. Uh, others say, well, you know, uh, they basically don't care about this particular group. Um, I did find an interesting tweet on, um, on uh, Twitter, for instance, uh, because it happened that recently Boris Kojo, Idris Elba, you know, these famous faces that have been part of making Ghana famous these last two years um, all around the world, they signed a letter in solidarity uh, with gay people in Ghana. And then you have uh, one, one comment coming from Akushia, who says, uh, basically, she says, in Kwasia Sem Kwakwa, which is like, in um saying <laughs> <thing> like <laughs> saying like oh that that is like pure nonsense, nonsense. yeah mm -hmm. uh like that letter will change anything they should go and try that in kenya and uganda uh like uh, there they would see you know and since when did someone's sexual preference become a national issue will that increase our uh capita per income or uh, yeah uh another one was also um, from Nigeria to Uganda and now Senegal, the revolution wind is blowing and it's ready to blow off and out of the wicked, clueless and useless leaders in Africa. Uh, another comment was, um, let me see what else, there was one interesting, um, in Uganda, if you have a car, you can get each and every kind of lady you want. So what you see is the general public really goes out to say, listen, this is not going to work. Um, this is not for Ghana. This is not it for us. However, the top listing people are saying uh, otherwise, you know. So um, those are some of the comments that I've been taking up. Of course, this is Twitter. Um, we can't say that this is really the general uh, public and things. But hearing that um, from, from you, Nene and Donnie, hearing, you know, these type of topics discuss. What comes to mind? Do you uh, observe or do you expect any particular changes to come or uh, particular conversations to arise and being picked up by the government? What is your uh, outlook on that? Can't hear you. Um, can you hear him? Oh, is it me? No, I can't hear him. He's probably in the okay. attic. <laughs> Uh, well, let me let me go ahead and uh, give my uh, three cents. Um, so I observed this matter as it um arose, right? Mm, I observed it on House Club. Is it House Club? Yeah, that new Clubhouse. social app. Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Did you join it? <laughs> I said House Club. <laughs> yes, Clubhouse. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Clubhouse is booming. It's popping right now. It's like you oh, know the place to be instead of IG and uh, um, and Twitter. So when it when it home, came <laughs> so when it came on there, um, right, you have different groups discussing it, and I was so lucky or happy that I was on there because it gave me the opportunity to really tap into Ghanaians all over the world speaking or giving their thoughts on these yeah. um on this on this phenomenon that's happening. And from what I was listening or from what I gathered is the people are not ready for it. 
So the Ghanaian community just isn't ready for it. And there um, uh, could be many reasons for it, tradition, religion, education, where the three things are collected right. So those things are not right and it doesn't, and um, um, those three things do not even um, give the foundation or create an environment where this LGBTQ community would be accepted and respected. Right. Um, at the same time, they also, um, what I did collect or know from this Ghanaian community is that if the Ghanaian government will push this LGBTQ rights and will legalize certain things, um, whereas the community isn't ready, then it will also feel like they are pushing it or they're yeah, they're pushing it onto their their their, their, their res residents or their um, onto the people, which will be will which will backfire. So then the people will come um, um, and protest against this. And so it, it you know it gave me an interesting look. And funny thing is, I I was thinking you have a generation now, and even the, the generation in the diaspora where here in Netherlands, it's legal. We live with them. We know how it is to have yeah. um, human rights. Um, and um, how do you say? Um, yeah, he, we know how it is to have like a human rights within your constitution or within your even um, your job, your practices, everything. Um, you will find that even these people or this generation still have this idea that nah they're not ready for it and i'm and I, so i kept asking why are you guys saying you people from the diaspora saying ghanians are not ready or the the world isn't ready or africa is not ready aren't you part of the africans aren't you thinking differently don't you feel like they all they should the lgbtq community um is old let's say certain rights and all that. So that was that was a very, very interesting okay. uh, perspective I could yeah gather from um, this group, which is reflective of, I think, a lot of people in the diaspora as well as Ghanaians themselves. So yeah, Clubhouse was a very good place to, to see this and to discuss with people. Yeah, you can't fix your, your wife. <laughs> You're an engineer, Nene. Fix it. Fix the internet. <laughs> no, for some reason we can't hear Nene at all. Oh no. Such a shame. Such a shame. Okay, so uh, just to chime in up until his connection works up, right? So one thing that I realized there is in, in general, if a country like I don't know how it's how how it is in the Caribbean, but I'm sure it was uh, it is. In in Ghana, um, people pretty much leave you alone, you know. Uh, until you start doing things in public that are out of their normal, if you get what I mean. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I've observed is like for people that have or are homosexual or anything of that, there are some, you can walk around, you spot them, you know, especially me if I come into some of the entertainment scenes, there are just some, oh my gosh, if people don't know, come on, you know, but it's because they don't live that life like let's say in public go out to a public hotel and then do something that could maybe you know invite the police to come it's pretty much like you know leave these people alone because 
other than that you can't do. That's what I feel right. that it is in uh, in Ghana. And I feel that um, if if you touch that, there would be like some unrest a- around people. And I I I'm even afraid that people will then start start will start to like uh, start to just um, what's this word uh, of um, they will start persecuting this group, you know, because of this this type of fear of hey, you're coming to take over us just like you did in the West and those type of things. That's yeah. what, that is what my fear is, you know, for them. Because some of the the hate crimes, Donnie, that you shared, um, obviously, I don't know if they happened re- recent, but it was that LGBT victims of crime said the anti-gay law inhibited them from reporting to authorities uh, for fear of exposure and arrest. And Ghana's laws ought to protect everyone from violence, but fear that the anti-gay law could be used against them, combined with social stigma, serves as a barrier to seeking access to justice. And uh, Felix, a young man from Kumasi, told Human Rights Watch that in 2016, he was raped by a man he had met on social media, but did not report the rape to the police, um, uh, to the police out of fear that he would be arrested for having um, well, for even indulging in that. Okay, that is that is some of the concerns I also have, obviously, because um, people will probably tell them, oh yeah, you should have stayed out of this business or something like that, you know? Um, I, I don't know. I, no, I do know. I feel that if this thing comes up, you know, you have these celebrities come in and signing petition, which I feel does not, really shake the world of these politicians they'll be like listen we're still we're here for four years we're doing what we're doing and who are you some celebrity who just comes in twice a year or three times a year who maybe has one piece of property you know to come and tell me what to do you get what i mean i i really um feel that within this time it's intertwined with they say religion i don't really think it's that I think it rather is more of a cultural thing um, because I do find Afro cultures within that African umbrella to be very focused on multiplication and, you know, making children and family and all of that. I think that really conflicts with uh, uh, LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ rather than the religion aspect. But just like, and Liz pointed out, like all of these years, Curacao has been related with the Netherlands for all of these years, and they never, they probably never thought of being exactly like the Netherlands in that extent, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. I would, I would definitely say that. Okay. I, I think it's interesting. Um, I would say it is religion. Why? Because. Um, there is this idea that happens in Curacao too, that religion has become identity and religion has become tradition because um, there there has been ethnographic research of um, gay couples in Africa, pre-colonial history. Um, There's been kings and queens that have been have same-sex couples, like marriages. There's even some names in Hausa for um, effeminate women, for example, that marry um, effeminate men that marry other men. So the fact that it's in the language is because that it was part of the society. Um, mm. And like research shows that the fact, because 
African cultures. So it was in Angola and Kenya until today, certain um, certain high end women are still allowed to marry other women. So right. um, African cultures, Kenya, Uganda, um, Angola, all those regions pre-colonial eras, there were documented um, cultural elements like that, traditions that allowed that and even, like they were part of society. Um, but it, it was because of the um, conservative Christianity and Islam that came in that um, erased and the erasure of that legacy. Because um, when the West came, there was a lot of erasure of that legacy um, that allowed for now that we can say that it's culture. Um, but what is really culture? If this was happening way before our beliefs that this is wrong or this is bad, way before that there was these practices that kings and queens practiced um what isn't that tradition you know so and like the idea because people are never ready for change when in europe when they wanted to have equal rights for women people were not ready they fought for it right. when enslaved africans wanted liberation they fought for it right when we think that things are meant to be like this there, it's going to take a revolution. It's not, people are never going to be ready. You just have to fight for it. And I think that having the ability, tolerance is not enough. I think um, having the ability to just be who you are should be more than just tolerating your existence, you know? And um, it is like very difficult. It is very difficult because like um, you were saying, Donnie, it's part of like the education it's part not just like the school education but it's part of the way that all of us have been raised we've been raised um systematically to think that this is wrong that this is wrong and that a lot of this is a choice a lot of this is like the devil and it's gonna take a lot outside of just policy to um create a ideology create a, a generation that sees it beyond just it being wrong it's gonna take a lot of yeah. like erasure, re re reeducation, and um, yeah, that's that's not that easily um, changed. So it's a very complicated thing. But I think that having the ability to like go back to African traditions, go back to African history, and highlight how these things, African traditions, were diverse. Like diversity, inclusion is part of African traditions. When you see African deities. We don't like Christianity and Islam. It's just um, the, the um, Christianity is like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you see West African deities, there's women, there's men, there's the woman that embraces sexuality, there's the woman that is nurturing, there's the man that is the warrior, there's the man that protects the dead. Inclusivity and diversity has always been part of African culture. So it doesn't make wow. sense how we think that this is a Western thing. It's just we've erased this part of our, our identity and it's causing a lot of our brothers and sisters to be in pain. And that's the that's the worst part of it. A lot of them are not feeling safe because we can't acknowledge the diversity that we that was embedded in in these cultures. That is interesting. That is interesting. I I do recall um learning of a particular tribe in Nigeria that is as you as you said but I didn't realize that same was for Kenya Angola and Uganda you said 
Yeah, I like um there's King Mo- Muanga, I think. Um, from now, what is I think from the region that is now called um, Uganda, there was a king that was married to a man. There was Kuininga, wow. that is also part of a tribe that was um, part of um, that is now Angola. That also was married to a woman. Um, there's words in in Yoruba and in Hausa that talk about um, same sex couples. Um, there's ethnic groups that believe, for example, in Kenya, that um, your the spirit of a grandfather has embodied someone. So even if you're a woman, the spirit of the grandfather embodied another woman, woman you're still allowed to marry them. So like same sex oh, marriages are okay. happening, and it's not just um, it's not just um, because the way that Europe Europe considers um, um, same-sex homosexuality, heterosexuality, it's very limited to how diverse <laughs> the African um, history considered it. Because one of the biggest and most interesting elements was that there was spirituality involved. It was a spiritual thing. There were cer- certain um, beliefs, even in Native American beliefs, that people that were what we co- would call now transsexual or um, as- asexual were spirits of the gods they were the ones that became priests because they connected with both um the femininity and the masculinity so they were the ones in charge to um do like um um, sacrifices and things like that so it was so diverse and so interesting and complex and now we just we we lost all of that we lost all of that knowledge and as a consequence of losing knowledge we believe what we believe now Mm. Okay. That is really insightful. Very insightful. Very insightful. Definitely. That that is going to let me research that a bit more on that level. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Hey Nanny, are you good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh we're going go going into our last minute. I really want to hear from you, Nene. Uh, did you did you even get any of the news uh, regarding you know police shutting down that LGBTQ community? And do you think like why? Yeah, do you think Ghana is is ready for it? No, I, I, I personally I think um, Ghana Ghana is not ready for it because I would say ninety nine percent of the population because. This whole thing is centered around culture and religion. And knowing Ghana, Ghana it's is a small um, of a religious country also. And also we, we, we hold culture also um, at heart. So it's more like an introduction of something which actually doesn't conform to one to religion and, and also something doesn't that doesn't conform to to their culture. So it's quite difficult to accept such thing. And also um, I believe that um, things like this, things like this, mm-hmm. are more of um, private things. They are they are more private than um, it's like bringing something out of the private and making it national. So it's more like imposing your private uh, your private things on me. So if you legalize this and um, yeah, if if this is legalized and it's being practiced, so then. It's more or less like um, a loss in loss in certain values pertaining to culture mm-hmm. and pertaining to religion. Psychologically, I would say Ghana is not ready. It's not. It's not. It's not ready for it. And if not, they are not. I. I don't know. But um, Ghana is not ready for it, and it's not prepared to accept it. 
Yeah. Right. And and from your experience, because you know, here in the Netherlands, all is is liberal, all is free. <laughs> Um, and then in Ghana, it's, it's, well, the example is Ghana. I know in, um, in Uganda, as it is now, it's, it's more, I think they're more rough than, um, than, than Ghana, Ghanaian countries are, or just some of the West African countries are. Some of these, some of the countries are very, very strict. They don't tolerate it. Even if there is a suspicion, they will come and arrest you. Um, in Ghana, there are a few of the, the incidents that I've heard are really more or less the one. The example I named out where like one uh, person who is um, um, attracted to the, the same sex went and met somebody through social media and uh, uh, being raped, but he couldn't report it because then had to confess like, okay, you know, I met somebody for that, for to, to mm -hmm. have a date basically. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not like these examples, they are more uh, as aggressive to finding who they think is, you know, um, gay and then arresting them and things like that um we live in a very very liberal environment and some would say you know what it doesn't affect any person who doesn't share that same standpoint so why can't countries like curacao or ghana or something like that then take it you know um what what do you think is like some of the what are what are your observations concerning that Um, pertaining to uh, how easily, um, how it's easily accepted in the West, Western yeah, culture like and here, not um, yeah, the accepted. Yeah, the liberal environments that we have here compared to the ones in, in Ghana. Like, why, why do you think it would be a, a, a problem for them to, to accept it? Yeah, like then that, again, it comes to, that. because, yeah, because then again, it's, it's, uh, there is something as Western culture and um western culture also has um it's 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 um it's different from the culture from ghana so when you look yeah. at the western culture you know there are there are pros and cons to every every culture the western culture right. is quite um tolerant I, I would say it's um it's quite liberal compared to the um the ghanaian culture the ghanaian culture is very strict on certain things which has to do with this um with this and the Western culture doesn't actually, it depends on uh, its, its perspective. It's the Western culture doesn't see anything wrong. And they don't see how it affects um, national national development. So then right. go ahead. And as I said, Ghana is, is more religious and um, they're more, most of their values are centered around culture. Something that has to do like, it's, 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 a, it's also a cultural um, country. Mm -hmm. So, so then if if um i'll say what the west yes western culture and then we have um our Ghanaian culture the western culture is quite receptive to certain things but our Ghanaian culture is not receptive to certain things it's quite strict i'll, I'll say quite strict to and then um with a western with the western culture as far as it's not it's not um, um it's not taking away lives then why not if it's right. not taking away lives, then why not? But then, as I as I said, it's around. It's based. It's based around religion and culture. So the Western culture is quite liberal, and um, for the Ghanaian culture, it's um, really really strict and frowns to certain things that actually 
um, the value set culture. Yeah, which which is which is fair if you say that. But some you know some would say, and I think um, Liz already said it. Uh, the Ghanaian culture or African culture is actually very diverse and more diverse than what we think is now the liberal Western culture. African culture, like, uh, and also what I've, what I've um, collected from like readings and stuff um, since this issue came up is the fact that the Ghanaian community, they don't mind this LGBTQ community like being around, why right? they have always been there. Like Ghana's at this point, right so and we all know probably someone who's gay but we never intended to harm them or anything right or, right so of course you will find instances or small cases where yes atrocities happen to them and maybe in a village or this and that but i see those as you know that like ghana is very moderate ghana is a peaceful place um homosexuality is illegal um, in marriage as well they're you know sentenced or whatnot however this is a um, this is something that hasn't it's not really enforced but again it's not protected either when it becomes a case of legality then yes Ghanaians are saying no at all However, within the social community, I mean, they know a gay living or a homosexual living next door, and they don't harass that person because he's an homosexual. So, like, amongst ourselves, I think there isn't any um, animosity or anything, but just when it becomes like a national or an, um, a legality issue, um, like I think you said, Nene, then it becomes yes, it's imposing, or and and or, uh, Ms. Ava said it. It's it becomes imposing, but to say that the Western culture is more liberal than the African culture, I would say I would I would have to side with Liz that no, African culture is rather more diverse because we've we've had these people with us from the you know in the beginning of civilization. And if civilization civilization started in um, Africa, then how are we less tolerant, you know, to the to to these individuals than those who just build their civilization, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I think I just wanted to Maybe add, like, if you think about Western culture and you think about liberation, you for you've forgotten a lot of the Western history. The fact that these laws about gender equality and all these things are there is not because the Western culture was liberated, liberal. It was because people fought and died for it. And people are still fighting and died for certain liberation. Western culture is oppression. Western culture is violence. It's historically right. decades and decades and decades they've been doing the same thing. They're doing the same thing in Congo. They're doing the same thing in all these countries. Who do you think they're sending to um, help these these policies in Uganda, they're sending white pastors from the U.S. to talk to these these um, presidents and these policymakers. They're the one talking and saying that God doesn't want this. God wants us to follow and persecute these people. Western culture is not liberated at, at all. I think that that is 
<laughs> I think that is what they want us to think. That is what their um, superiority complex tells us. But if we actually tap into um, African history and African spirituality and African cultures, we can understand a more open and diverse perspective. And I think one of the things is that um, once people are not safe, once people are not having access to basic things, health, safety, job security, it's not a private thing anymore. It is us as a community and us as, as a government. People are, have the right to be safe, no matter who they are. They shouldn't be treated, don't have safety because they're gay. And that becomes a national issue. And I hope because of the diverse and inclusive history and legacy that many African um, um, ethnic groups and traditions have, maybe we don't have to do the same, go to, towards the same road as Western cultures, which was fighting and dying and protesting and dying and all those things to get to a space where tolerance becomes acceptance. Because it, it's if one people person is feeling unsafe in a community that affects a community, it's not when, because we talk about, oh, the LGBT community is part of the Ghanaian community. They are the com Ghanaian community. It's not a foreign community. It's part of, of the, the, the idea. It's always been there. It's not an external thing. Mm -hmm. So how can we create understandings that allow them to exist even in our languages, even in our culture? So I, that's why I keep saying tolerance is not enough anymore because people are unsafe. There's systematic um, rape of women that um, are seen as gay in South Africa. Those things become national issues and we need to do things to change that. And one of the things that we need to do, which I believe in, is creating knowledge, creating ideas, going back to perceptions that allow us to see that this is not a Western impediment it's not the liberal west coming to impose things from us it's things that we already have so complex and so inclusive ways of seeing it that they took away or we also took away from we erased from our legacy like in curacao for example there was this um this i, I don't remember his name he's one of the biggest musicians in a um, cultural music in curacao he still he has a museum and all of that in curacao but he was gay and he had a partner living in the 1960s. Everybody was open, everybody allowed it because he was still popular and he was still selling his music and he's still recognized to the point that he has his, his own museum. But not one time do they say that he was gay. Not one time do they acknowledge that he connected to spirit, African spirituality and homosexuality and that he was part of our society even in the 60s. Mm. And erasures like that allow us to keep believing that, oh, this is not part of our culture or culture will not accept it because we keep erasing it. We keep erasing these things just to justify certain beliefs. And that's dangerous. Once we allow ourselves and our structures to erase the realities of our people, the parts of our community that are most marginalized are going to keep being marginalized by, by our own systems. And we justify it by saying it's culture. It's not culture. We're erasing, we're erasing these legacies. We're erasing these stories. And the erasure of stories causes oppression. And the best erasure of stories happen when the West comes in. West is not known by liberation. West is known by 
we fought so hard that we not, have not given you another t- another choice. You have to give us our freedom. That's what Western cultures um, have done. So they can't come and say, oh, you um, um, Ghanaians have to do this well because we believe in human rights. Like you still have companies that are um, exploiting people in India and exploiting people in Africa, and you're not doing nothing about it. It's not. It, this is not an issue of us versus the West. This is an issue of us going back to our roots and our understanding that this is not something new. It's not something foreign. It's part of who we are. It's always been there. That gives me a lot to think about. Like really, it's like you have to kind of reorganize. You now think of like, okay, Africans. This is erased, so they're tapping into what's 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 yeah. what's been given into them. Like I really, I really need yeah. to, but it but it does offer yeah. a good a good uh, perspective, really. And yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah you don't see this yeah. uh, coming up in the conversations that arise no. a lot yeah. that arise. I, I really. Uh, yeah. And it's not just African culture, like Native American culture have recollections of like um, multiple perspectives beyond like men and women. Indian cultures, Indian gods have been like an androgynous and things like that. So a lot of non-Western right. cultures have understood that just a man and a woman is too, it's too limiting. Even the, the perceptions, for example, of what a woman is, there's a book mm-hmm. Um, called the construction of women in Nigeria and they were saying like women were leaders in like what is called Nigeria now women were always leaders women were part of the community head of communities but once the west came they were like only men the assumption is that men is automatically a leader so it broke so many structures because all of the leaders were just assigned by gender now so there was a dismantling of the complete um structure of leadership and guidance that um, Nigeria had. And till today, we're still upholding this idea that a woman cannot be president. They were interviewing Nigerians on on the street and Nigerians would say a woman cannot be president. But pre-colonial evidence showed that women were leaders. It was not even a thought of saying like, oh, you're a woman, so you can't be a leader. It was part of who we were until the West came and redesigned what womanhood meant. Yeah. So, so like, I understand. So that like, there's a, this whole big confusion where, um, it's I think in yeah, but to really see what has to yeah. be done or how to educate the people is to make the distinction: what is African culture and what is everything else? What is a religion? What is um Western culture? what is Indian culture that has influenced the African culture. But if we can get back to the core of African culture and we can find that and take that as the highest culture or tradition to uphold, then I think we can get to the the roots or to the, um, we can get closer to how to deal with, um, yeah, how to deal with, ourselves, how to deal with our homosexuality amongst us, how to deal with um, the the different genders amongst us, how to deal with the sick, how to deal with um, the elderly people amongst us, right? But, you know, it's, it's being, it's being, yeah, 
I think, yeah, other influences, religion and other civilizations or other the Western influences have kind of like diluted what we know as African culture. So everything that we think is actually African culture could be religion and could be something else, but we just don't know it yet because we just don't have, have had enough information. So yeah, that education is extremely important. Um, I think, yeah. Before yeah. we round up, Nene had yeah. uh, also and had something. Just to add something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but my question is, uh, yeah, but uh, um, what I want to say is if we find, if we can nurture or we, we, we go into the core of African culture and we happen to find things, so why wouldn't you raise them? Why, why wouldn't you raise them? them now and makes it look like there was nothing like that there for me i probably was um, religiously i'll say and um, for instance um in sodom and gomorrah when this was practiced okay okay um it was something which um christianity was uh, frowned against so that caused god to destroy sodom and gomorrah that's in the religious aspect of it but um if we visit the core of our culture and we have to why why would they um, erase it? Why would they erase it? Not uh, uh, um, talk about it now and makes it look like, okay, um, because I had it, it was in which was accepted, but now it's not accepted. That is my question. Why, 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 why that? Because the same forces who told you that Sodom and Gomorrah um, practiced well, there was a homosexual sexuality practice, Sodom and Gomorrah, and got erased. Oh, and the wrath of God came upon them. Those are the same people who are now telling you how to deal with um, homos. Those are the ones who erased how you dealt with um, homosexuality within your community. And those are the same ones who are telling you how to, re- how to deal with them, with them now. I don't know. Yeah, I think. I think um, there's an important thing. Knowledge is power, and if we think that knowledge is all like accessible, knowledge is always controlled. We are always because we cannot access everything at the same time. So there are systems that tell us what um, we um, what is important and what is what is not, and there are also systems that erase certain elements that affect identity. That's we've seen it with black people. Black inventors have been have had their ideas taken away from them, and their names have been erased. Black women, for example, in the um, Black Panther movement, when we talk about Black um, revolutionary in the U.S., for example, we don't talk about the Black women. We talk about the Black Martin Luther King and Mal- Malcolm X, but the women have been erased because leadership and dominance is seen as a male thing. All these erasure is happens all the time. It's not something new or. Um, Oh, it's a conspiracy. It's just erasure. Once you erase certain elements of history, you can control the narrative. It's even in the Bible that you're talking about certain elements like the book of, for example, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene also wrote about her experience with God, but her book was not chosen to be part of the the gospel because that that part did not fit the idea or the the the, um, the logic of the male dominant um, following of Jesus, the leaders. Erasure happens all the time. 
And just to add another point, culture, like I, I say, I don't believe in like the original culture. Like I believe in like cultures alive, it's evolving. So the the beliefs we have, like Sodoma and Gomorrah, um, religion, Christianity, Islam, all of these things are becoming part of our culture now. It's evolving, affecting who we are. But once we start combining those those elements with other stories that have been erased, I think that can allow for us to deal with, because this is a very complex issue. I don't think it's it's simple. I don't think just highlighting these elements, um, like historic elements is gonna like fix everything because this is also an emotional thing. It's an identity thing. Because especially for example, as me as Christian, I have been fundamentally raised to think that this is morally wrong. This is a morality issue. And once you think about it like that, it's very hard to be open-minded about it. So it's a very, very, very complex issue. But I think one step that we can do is acknowledge that erasure is a thing. History has been changed and affected. Like there's a, a saying that says like, um, the story of the lying was written by the hunter. We don't see the whole perspective and certain elements are being removed to to justify for example white superiority or white dominance or things like that so if we go deeper and dig because this is not like these informations are not just out there you have to go through them and understand and be open to to see this research so um understanding that erasure is part of how knowledge evolves and how knowledge moves it's part of our reality because knowledge is power Knowledge is power. Right. On that note, you have given me so much to research. <laughs> and I think that um, uh, next month we, yeah, should definitely, <laughs> we should definitely continue, continue this uh, conversation. Uh, obviously, we've gone so much over time and uh, really discuss well, about that. And I think personally. Can... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he's the name. Well, personally, I think I think this is um, a small of a personal choice. Yeah, it's it's more it's more of a personal choice than um, than making it. Um, or I I felt at a point in time, um, legalizing things like this is more like imposing uh, imposing a private um, a private um, something private to on me because then it's like. Um, I'm forced to conform to maybe something that um, I personally cannot accept. So it's it's not about you, right? It's I, I believe it's a personal choice. It's a personal choice. What it's a personal choice. So what should be should be kept there? Should be kept there. I I I think should be kept there. And I don't think even this is right. the matter uh, matter that should be debatable in a sense that um, as far as because the talk. It's it's something they, they, um, that wants to be talked about because then um, certain aspect or certain private things that wants to be public, they want uh, wants to uh, wants to normalize. They want to um, it's like we want to normalize something to make so that we can flow freely in right. public. That that's, that's right. but I, I it's a personal choice and if it's more private, it should it should just be in the private. Yeah. Okay, hold that uh, on that note. I'm going to take notes of that one so that we continue uh, on that one next month. And I think it would be good to also look at what we regard as culture, you know, what, what we Africans regard as our culture. I think it would be good 
and to really look at you know how that reflects some of our our modern day things and our how we go about and how we treat uh, each other. Unfortunately, because of time, I have to close it up um, so that we continue uh, on this topic. And uh, again, thanks so much, Liz and Nene, for being our usual uh, guests on Let's Chat Africa. Um, we should definitely do this. Just say, let's just say once a month, if if that it could be possible uh, within the time, because uh, this is well need, a needed conversation. Um, we just have one minute before we round up. So uh, again. Uh, thanks, Nene and Liz. Where can people find you online? And yes, we're going to continue this conversation. <laughs> yes. Um, they can find me on um, Instagram at um, Liz Camellia. Um, I just joined Clubhouse two days ago, but I don't know how it works still. So maybe next time I'll, I'll <laughs> send Liz that link too. <laughs> tutorials, tutorials are for that. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Nene? Nowhere. It, it, it's like freezing on this smooth, uh, smooth mm -hmm. look. Okay, no, no. I, I think his internet connection is giving him trouble. Um, well, thanks again, Nis and uh, uh, Liz and Nene. We'll be catching up. Sending you an email, of course, uh, ASAP. And uh, have a good and healthy week. <laughs> okay, bye bye. Yes. Thank you. Ghana City before. <laughs> okay, so that was that was really educative. I learned a lot. I I did I did, and I know um um I've I've again taken your time. I know, <laughs> but it's it's good it's good so if we good. can continue. If we can continue this conversation, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, I think it's worthwhile, um, you know, to to talk about this. You know, especially also, I I do think that we should have this conversation because uh, I am somebody. I am in my faith. You know, obviously, I um, my faith doesn't um, doesn't approve the lifestyle, but it doesn't disconnect me from uh, talking about it and talking to people to other people. And I uh, believe that in spite of, um, you know, our my faith helps me to look at or let's just say reason things uh, in, in the way that it does. Um, but mm -hmm. in no shape or form do I support any harsh or, or no, no mistreatment of a brother or sister, you know, out there, whether regardless of their sexuality. So um, that's really where, where I stand uh, on that. I'm not afraid to talk about uh, it, you know, from different perspectives and things. I might not agree with it personally. Uh, I might see and right. see the reasons for it as something else. I might have my own spiritual explanation for it, but um, seeing mm -hmm. people being harassed, killed, and stuff like that, I don't think that is what we should be doing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So thanks again, Donnie, for being on uh, on with me next week. It is time to discuss that new strategy. Mm -hmm go through all of that listing uh who missed any of our episode um our episodes come on on all streaming platforms every okay. wednesday the recap of the show we are a bit behind but trust me some of these conversations that have been on there are really well listened people are appreciating mm -hmm. them uh so do uh listen uh to many global africans from the likes of dinta Mwating, you know nemo eddie kadi um, and people in agribusiness and so forth that we've had on the show to talk about how we can make, how we can change that environment that we are in. 
Uh, I'm your host, Miss Abba, and alongside Donnie, we'll be uh, catching us next week at 7 p.m. CET. We'll be ending off with a, uh, a Ghana classic again last Focus. day of the We air live every Sunday um, on High Radio from 7 p.m. Amsterdam time. Join the Africa on Focus platform on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Africa on Focus or visit www.africaunfocus.com. And follow me on all your social platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Miss Abba. Shout out to High Radio and Q Vibe for the jingle. <laughs>